What's up, everybody? It's Memorial Day Monday. Warner Brothers podcast coming to you right after the uh, the Game Seven Celtics first Heat. My Mine favorite. And Ke- <laughs> Mine and Keenan's favorite teams. Like, what are the odds? Uh, damn, Keenan, I'm happy my Celtics are in the finals. I hate saying that. I hate saying my Celtics, but the Celtics are in the final over the Heat. I don't know how that game was that close last night. I don't know how. I don't know how it was in a seventh game period, but. We got to a seventh yeah, I, game because Jimmy Butler went nuclear in game six. <laughs> that's, that's why we got part, to a game seven. In part. In part. But even then, I thought we were thought we were winning that game. You know, I thought we were in a good position to win that game, game six. Uh, I, I weirdly did not, I hate to say this, I did not watch the amount of game six that I wanted. Or I did not get to pay the proper attention to game six that it deserved. So I did not really feel the, uh, you know, as miserable as probably most other Celtics fans did mm-hmm. come that game. Um, I didn't feel good. I'll say this. I, uh, you know, we didn't really talk yesterday, but going into the game yesterday, I thought, any, you know, obviously anything can happen. It's game seven, but you could have told me any outcome. I would have believed it. I wasn't necessarily nervous as much as nervous as I probably should have been compared to other Celtics fans, but. You know, if you told me that he randomly out of the blue, because they didn't really shoot well the rest of the series, but you tell me they all of a sudden lit it up at home and, you know, all of a sudden Boston's back is against the wall, I would have believed it. Or if it's an ugly game and a, you know, 66, 67 point game going into the fourth quarter, I would have believed that type of thing, you know, but. Any outcome, even like a 25 point heat win, you could have told me a 25 point Celtics win. You could like, there's a world you could have convinced me personally of anything. I I mean, I expected it to be a dog fight because both of them are just two prideful teams that weren't going to allow it. But like, as you said, the heat get hot. Jimmy's has it rolling and the Celtics just can't buy a bucket. That game six deflating the heat go and roll on at home or the Celtics talent shows Tatum and but uh, Tatum and Butler almost said Tatum and Brown come out and just lights out. And obviously the heat without Tyler here, uh, healthy Tyler hero, they ended up winning by like 20. You could have told me that scenario or the scenario that happened, which was a weirdly non-competitive, very competitive game. It was, it was, it was, it was game seven was weird. It was just weird. It was good, but weird. The whole series was weird. It really was. was really weird. Um, I mean, I said any outcome would have, I probably would not have believed a, a heat blowout, but, you know, I would have believed them getting, you know, at least a 12 point lead on us. But, you know, weird series. <laughs> there were so many times on both ends where we would just go scoreless, you know, whether it was the Celtics or the Heat. You know, they there'd be times, especially on the Heat side, where you just couldn't get buckets, you know, and you would have these lulls in the game where it was like, all right, is something going to happen? Missed jump shot after missed jump shot after ugly possession after after hard foul, you know? You just go, you literally go three to six minute stretches with no buckets or no easy buckets mm-hmm. at all. And it was weird because um, it didn't leave you on like the edge of your seat. Like I, that reminds me of like game seven of Warriors Cavs at the end of that game where you were just on the edge of your seat because you're like, who's going to make a bucket first? Like it was, you guys were, you were just sitting at the, cause I remember we were watching that in at the living room or in the living room. And we were just like, what is going on right now? This game is chaotic. The fourth quarter was amazing. That was one of the best series in game sevens I've seen in a while. 
that one in the Spurs Heat 2012 or 13 2013. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I love, that's a great. It was weirdly just to touch on that game real quick. The Cavs and Warriors. It wasn't wasn't necessarily a great game as much as it was such a tense game and such a build up to the game, and then a you know a crazy ending. Uh, obviously, yeah. Oh, I guess that's what made it a great game to me. After, like you said, four minutes, maybe even six minutes of people not scoring. Um, you know, the things I remember most about that game, obviously, besides the block and Curry's behind the back pass and went out of bounds. I remember J.R. Smith, I think he hit three straight threes coming out of the third quarter. Mm-hmm. And then Kyrie, like, took over the third quarter and had, like, a few insane. Like, he had that lefty layup off the top yeah. of the lap. Draymond was incredible that game. And Draymond, yeah, Draymond. 32, 15, and 7, I believe. He, he had himself yeah, he was, a ball game. He was he was definitely their best player that game. That was a great game. That was a, that was a tense game. I remember, you know, obviously I'm a Celtics fan. I had no, you know, no horse in that race. And I was like, I was I was nervous watching that game. And I had no team in that game. Mm-hmm. But that was a great one. But, yeah, no, this game, the opposite of that. I was, I mean, let me take you through. First quarter, I believe we're up, we throw up 13 or 15. 32 to 17, I think, after the first. And, you know, they're getting whatever they want on offense. They looked aggressive. Like, I I came in here after the Bucks celtics game and said, you know, the first quarter is usually a feel-out quarter in Game 7. Second one feels more like a regular game because everyone's kind of caught the rhythm of the game. Mm-hmm. Third quarter, kind of the same thing, but more tense because obviously you're in the second half and in the fourth quarter, you know, you find out who is who, you know what I mean? But yeah. um, this game... The Celtics were, you know, they hit the ground running. They were they were in attack mode from the beginning. The Heat looked tired. They looked two steps slow. And then somehow in the second quarter, they're in it. And then going into halftime, they're down five. I don't even know how. Like, there was each quarter, first, second, third, and fourth, I thought there was times where the Celtics could have pushed it to 20 and put it away. And it just somehow didn't happen. And, uh... Especially going into the fourth, like the first six minutes of the fourth quarter, the Heat couldn't get anything. And the Celtics weren't particularly playing great, but they were at least getting buckets where they needed to. And then even with three minutes left, I think we're up 11. They they ended up coming back from 13 down from like three and a half minutes left. It was like an 11-0 Heat run to get down two. And it was weird because it wasn't like the Heat were doing anything to to bother us. Uh, Like... The thing I remember most about that comeback, like, and I think most Celtics fans would say this, is, you know, there was three straight threes by Marcus Smart, all wide open, all great shots, all at the end of the shot clock where we're bleeding the clock. And Miami just happens to get the rebound, goes down and gets a bucket kind of thing. You know what I mean? And we're in that stretch. And Struess hits that random three, that tough three. And even then, I'm still like, all right, we're winning this game. And, you know, as we said, as I said to you before we get on here, the only time I was afraid in that game was when Jimmy Butler's got the ball coming down, down one, down two. No, they're down two at that down point. Down hundred, I believe, hundred to ninety-eight. He comes down with sixteen seconds left on the clock, has the ball with a chance to go win, and we're, I'm like, okay, let let's go, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, he got the rebound. He takes a three. I'm like screaming no at my TV. Like there's like a like an axe murderer in a fucking horror movie or some shit. Like <laughs> no, no, please. 
basically <laughs> I'm like, no, this is not happening. Because there was no, like, it wasn't, the Celtics didn't do anything to collapse. You know what I mean? It wasn't like they were turning the ball over. They did a couple times there at the end. Uh, I mean, the refs, and I'm not one to complain about the refs, but the refs were literally letting Kyle Lowry do whatever he wanted. There was like three or four fouls on those last two possessions to make it a two or a one possession game for Miami to even get there. Kyle Lowry was hacking, Oladipo was hacking, um, and we just ended up with the ball. Like Kyle Lowry made that one layup to cut it to two where he literally, like, the dude, like, he's always been like a a, a thicker player, but... Like, he literally walk like, he's walks and runs like he's got diarrhea. That's all I can think. Like, I couldn't, I don't even know how he made that last layup. Like, he looked so uncomfortable going to the rim, and it's just a two-point game all of a sudden. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And then again, yeah, Jimmy's got the ball. I think he gets the rebound, right? Mm-hmm. And he's got a, it's basically a two-on-two break, maybe a three-on-two break. Uh, I think Tatum's in the corner on Struess. He should have gone to the rim. I'm not mad at him taking that, like, like if that was on the other foot, and that was a Celtics player who had that situation, I'm not necessarily. I'm mad at the decision, not mad at the shot, because it wasn't a bad shot. You front rimmed it; it was good. It looked good, and you it know, felt, maybe, if, yeah. as a Heat fan, it felt good. That yeah, it, just it looked felt good. good. It felt good. Uh, you know, he played 48 minutes, and then he's coming off the the game six where he played unbelievable. You know, score you know, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> Excuse me. Nobody could guard him in Game Six. Nobody could guard him the first half of this game. Um, unbelievable, like unbelievable effort by him. That he really had no business being in a Game Seven. Uh, you know, I think I picked the Celtics in six. If the Celtics would have won in five, I wouldn't have been surprised. And it, lo and behold, it was a Game Seven. Jimmy was just after three bad games. Him and Kyle Lowry come out and you know make every big shot needed. Mm-hmm. Bam didn't give him shit in Game Six. Bam played great in Game Seven here. A lot of pull-up jump shots, great defense, great rebounding. Lowry gave him some shots when they needed. Oladipo looked dead at times, and at times Oladipo would do something nice. Uh, but, you know, very impressed with Jimmy Butler. Uh, I think I should be a little more impressed with the Boston Celtics. But, you know, I expected them to be here. I really did. I mean, I think you kind of heard my confidence going into the playoffs when I said, you know, I welcome the Brooklyn matchup in the first round. You know what I mean? Like, if Boston thinks they can win it all, you welcome that matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked them to beat the Bucks. Like, I picked them in seven. I was scared to death of the Bucks, like, especially in that game seven. I was more confident in the Celtics winning that game six, six to get it back to 3 3 than uh, I was in them winning that game at home, which is kind of weird. And then, you know, like I told you before this series, this series didn't really scare me at all as a Celtics fan. Even going into this game seven, I wasn't, as I said earlier, I wasn't as nervous as maybe I should have been. But, you know, looking forward to the next series, Celtics-Warriors, I don't see really any event where it's not a six or seven game series. Um, You know, if it isn't five, I could only see, you know, if the Celtics really, really lock them up, you know, which is a possibility. But, you know, we'll get to the matchups and, all that about the series, but you know, I expect the Celtics to be here. The Celtics kind of carry themselves like they expected to be here, but you know, like times like yesterday, closing out the game, there is times where they do look like that young team that they still are. It's crazy how young these guys still are, even though they've been in a lot of postseason battles. So, you know, Golden State obviously has the advantage there going to the finals as many times as they have, but I'm, I'm excited for this series. I think, 
I think we deserve the series. I think there's been a lot of duds in these playoffs. Uh, I think there's been a lot of series that were supposed to be good that did not end up as good as they were supposed to be. I agree. Like Celtics-Brooklyn, Grizzlies-Warriors. We never even got the Suns in the conference finals like we were all expecting. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Warriors got rid of the Mavericks in five, even though that was a pretty competitive five-game series. I thought that was a pretty entertaining series for what the length was. And then the the Celtics-Heat series, if you weren't a fan of the Celtics or Heat, I can't imagine it was a fun series for them to watch, you know, other than that game six. Game six is a really good game. Um, game seven was okay. You know, it was game seven. You never know. Your, game sevens are usually ugly anyway. Um, it's good. I mean, this, the Warriors got more than a week off going into this uh, this Thursday game one. Celtics will have three days off. And trust me, even that little break will help. You know what I mean? So Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to the series. I hope nobody gets injured. Um, I mean, everyone's banged up at this point anyway, but I hope no one gets, you know, like has to miss a game or anything because I would just like a series that, you know, this is good games all the way through, competitive, which it should be. I think this is going to be a really fun series. It's a fun matchup. Uh, you know, it's really an offense versus defense matchup, even though Golden State really does have a have a good defense themselves, obviously. So I can't wait. Thursday's going to be fun. This whole series is going to be fun. Uh if it goes less than six or seven, I'm going to be depressed. Because then, what? What the fuck else we got this summer? I, we got to honestly, I I won. What during the whole entire game was confused as a Heat fan. I was sitting there like Jimmy's bringing it, obviously as he has to. I was hoping Tyler Hero was going to be able to actually give a spark off the bench, but he really wasn't able to. I was hoping that three in the corner that he took the first one was going to drop. And they kept, like, the game was too close for the Heat, for me to believe that the Heat were out of it. Like, the Celtics just couldn't close the door. Uh, they, like, they would get up 15, but they could never push it to, like, 22, 25 to really just close the door. It would always go from, like, 15, maybe even 17, then it'd go down to 9, then it'd go to 13, then it'd go down to 6, and then it just kept going back and forth. So I was still confident that the Heat could win. As I agree with you, I agree with you that Jimmy should have went to the basket, I think, as I said to you prior to the podcast starting, I don't see a scenario where Jimmy doesn't get two points at least there. And that's assuming he makes both free throws if he gets fouled. It's either a foul, an and one, or I think he finishes on Horford. Like there's a world where he could not have and Horford makes a great play, but how Jimmy was in that kind of position, I think that he goes makes a, he go get, goes and gets a bucket. Yeah, I definitely think he gets an and one there. Yeah, I think it's an and one or at least just a bucket in general. Bam, I don't understand why this isn't a consistent thing. And it's not even, it's not that he just doesn't shoot well or something. It's just he doesn't look to do it. And I get so confused. He plays sometimes like he's Robert Williams offensively when he has so much more in his tool bag. Like, Robert Williams doesn't have to be an offensive... Like, if Robert Williams ends the game with four points, it's fine because he probably gave you three blocks, great defense, and two steals. And you're like, okay, and 12 rebounds. That's exactly what you want from him. Bam has the ability to put the ball on the floor, has a mid-range jump shot, can hit a wide-open three if need be, but it's obviously not his game, and can get to the basket. Plus, he's a solid passer for a big. Like, I don't understand why he doesn't do what he did in Game 3 or Game 7 
throughout a series or throughout that's weird he needs to just work on his consistency but that's that's another story for another day yeah i mean seeing bam in person and you know watching this series he's he's a good number two i don't want to say he's better off as a number three um he's just got a little more he's got a little more to go on offense like his his main if it's not it's weird because he's athletic but he doesn't do like he he's not you don't see him often get a rebound and then go up with it and just dunk over somebody as much as you'd think right because he's still i think he's he's either younger or the same age as tatum and brown you know what i mean he was in that i think he was in tatum's class wasn't he I think it's year four. I think it was in Tatum's class, and he was the tenth pick in the draft. I could and, be wrong uh, by that, but let me check. But you can go on. He's still definitely athletic, but you just don't see him, you know, go up like go up, get a board, and just like spring up and dunk it a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, he like a lot of his his go to moves on offense when he's like going downhill because they play him at the high post lot or uh, top of the key at the three. He'll go. He'll pull up, or he's like got a little turnaround half spin jump shot which is good like he's definitely he's got tools and like you said he's a great he's a good passer especially as a big um he just doesn't have like a little more than that you know he doesn't have an in-between doesn't have finishes or like hooks and stuff like that but maybe that comes maybe that doesn't either way that's someone you want on your team but yeah like you said, the offense just kind of comes and goes and you mentioned robert williams he gave us nothing last night and you know he definitely needs this three-day break because he's Every other game, he's either out or he's, you know, getting taken out of the game for injury. You know, the more time he's off the court, the better chance Golden State has at winning. It's just as simple as that. And that's really, that's part of the reason why this series, I feel like, went the way it did. I think if Robert Williams playing more in that fourth quarter of game six, possibly, you know, we're not even in this game seven. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. I'm interested to, like, what's your pick? For the series, I'm gonna assume you're gonna pick the Warriors in seven. Is my that's my prediction for your prediction. Let's hear it. Um, one thing I wanted to quickly say was Bam and Tatum were in the same draft. Bam was the 14th pick. Tatum was the third overall pick, obviously. So mm-hmm. they same class. So he's still very young. Obviously, was at Kentucky for one year. So he's 23, 24, maybe at max. Um. But- what? Plenty of time to grow. Oh, yeah, plenty of time to grow and still grow into what he can be because he can be a mini Anthony Davis. I mean, not obviously the peak of what Anthony Davis can be, but like a mini Anthony Davis is like Bam's ceiling or like a mini KG kind of around there. He has those kind of tools. But yeah, Warriors and Seven makes sense to me. I don't think this there's again I agree with you there's no way I think the series goes 5 or 4 like there's no way it's a sweep it's going at least 6 Cause I don't I don't see a war, I don't see the Warriors losing in anything less than 6 if they were to lose they haven't in a decade (laughs) like said Steph's never lost in anything but six or seven so I don't see that being the case here and the Celtics I think are too good defensively to just not like Tatum I feel is going to get you one I feel like their team can get you at least one 
they're going to get hot from three. So I, feel, I think it's going at least six, but I would have probably Warriors in seven as of right now. Yeah, I mean, the Celtics, they've always matched up with the Warriors well ever since Stevens took over. Uh, even when they had those IT teams, which were less talented than the Warriors, they always played them well. Like They've always both. had great games, too. So I'm hoping that like their regular season games just translate right into their like finals games. Because if you go back through, they've always had like down-to-the-wire games for the most part. Yeah, they've always been a good matchup. Um, you know, the Celtics' size, I, I can't wait to see how they approach... Golden State's heavy movement, obviously for their shooters, chasing Poole, Curry, and Clay around. I'm really interested to see that, what their switchability looks like. Because um, it's a fantastic defensive team, obviously. Like we just said, Jimmy had three straight games that were terrible. Uh, you know, you got to credit the defense, Celtics defense to that. Giannis had moments in his series, especially in that game seven, where he didn't look as comfortable. Probably had more to do with fatigue because he's Giannis and he's a fucking, like, alien. superhero fucking <laughs> alien. Yeah. But... You know, and then Durant and Kyrie, obviously, they had their moments against Boston where uh, they look less than spectacular. So, you know, <laughs> there's going to be more. real nice for Durant. What's up? I was putting it real nice for Durant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, was, exactly. <laughs> it was real nice for Durant. Um, so, I mean, I do think there's going to be a game, maybe two games in this series where Curry and Clay maybe don't look up to snuff, especially from the three. Um, I don't know. I'm interested because this. This Warriors team is so weird. They started off so well this season. They started off hot. Curry looked like an MVP candidate, you know, the first month, six weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. And the defense looked great. And then you're thinking, wow, like Clay comes back. You kind of ease Clay in, you know, just have him kind of spot up, this and that. Clay gets back, I think, what, February? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's been pretty inconsistent. He's at his moments. He's definitely not the same defender he used to be. So, I mean, that's something they can exploit. And, you know, they've had their injuries, whether it's been to their bench, whether it's been to Curry, obviously. He's been in and out ever since the second half of the series. And he even twisted his ankle in uh, Game 5 of last series against Dallas. Marcus Smart, very recent history. I think it was his first game back from injury or one of his – definitely the first week back from injury. And Marcus Smart dives into his ankle. So, that's, that's always a possibility in this series. You never know. Celtics are a very physical team. I think Steph's going to be able to withstand it. Uh, the supporting cast is what's interesting. Looney's turned into fucking Dennis Rodman. Yeah, no, Looney, Looney's Mr. Double-Double <laughs> in the last series. Looney was killing it last series. You know, I don't know. He he kind of came out of nowhere. Wiggins turned that, into Ron Harper. <laughs> who's this? I said Wiggins turned into Ron Harper. <laughs> Wiggins, Wiggins turned into, I don't even know who, like, like, 2014 Kawhi or some shit. But, you <laughs> he know, really I'm is pretty, playing like he really is. I'm really interested to see, yeah, like what Wiggins does because he's he's bound to give you one of those games where you just, you know, where's Wiggins? Is he out there on the court? Oh, he's played 32 minutes. I didn't even realize. You know what I mean? He's bound to have one of those games. He hasn't had one in a while. So <laughs> on, on the other side of that, Curry's bound to have his high 30s, high, low 40s, 7 3 game. We've seen that from Clay a few times out of the blue where he's just, you know, he's not playing well. And then all of a sudden he's, he's laying it up. So, and you know, we've seen what Jordan Poole's done over the course of the postseason. Um, Jordan Poole's kind of funny to watch too, by the way, because there's these times he'll get the ball and uh, he'll just kind of get tunnel vision and not even, he'll look off Steph or clay 
and you can see Clay just being like, "What the fuck is with this guy?" And he, you know, there was a clip of that earlier in the playoffs where he shrugged off Clay, and Clay was like, "All right, you know what the fuck?" <laughs> All right, but it happens. It happens. Like I noticed in the last game against the Mavericks, he did it to step in Clay a couple times. I'm like, "Oh man, this guy really." He does think he's that dude. He, think, he thinks he's him. <laughs> he thinks he's that as, guy. <laughs> as he should, but I don't know. There's definitely going to be a game where the Warriors go through crazy, obviously. It hasn't um, happened yet. It hasn't happened, but it's bound to. And especially this rest. This rest, I would think, is both good and bad for Clay. You probably want him on a consistent rhythm, but, you know, it's definitely good for everybody. I mean,. I don't know. I'm excited for games three and four in Boston. I think those are going to be. How you going to one? I'm hoping to. I looked. I looked at the tickets for game three. They obviously didn't have game four up yet because you know. It's, I don't know why actually because that would happen no matter what. Yeah. So I don't know why. That that is weird. But. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to look at game four, which would be June 10th in Boston on a Friday. Ooh. Uh, I looked at game three. Tickets are crazy. I so, bet. I mean, who knows? We'll see. We'll see the closer it gets. Uh, I have backup plans if I do not go to a game. Um, if not, you know, I'll be catching every game of the series, obviously. I can't wait. I just, we're just so due for good basketball, which we've had. We've had, like I said, the Celtics Bucks series is really good too, but it was just so physical. Golden State's not as physical. So, I think things are going to open up for both teams. Boston's going to try to muck it up, but it's not going to be nearly as ugly as the Heat and the Bucks series. Both of those series seriously feel like they're out of the 90s and 2000s. They, I, they, mean, I mean, they can't because, like, the Warriors play such a fluid game that I think it's not that Boston's not going to... Because Boston can play a fluid game. Like, Miami had to make that series ugly for them to have a chance. And to an extent, Milwaukee did because they didn't have another guy who really could go get his own shot other than Drew Holiday and Giannis. Like, if they had Chris Middleton, I think that series could have looked a little less 90s, early 2000s. But their best ways to win, in my opinion, especially the Heat, but both of them was to let's play physical just defense and let our star carry us. Well, it's part of – partly it's what the – what the refs allowed. Oh like, yeah, for sure too. Like I mean, that that has to do with it too, definitely. Because Dallas got real physical with uh, with Golden State, especially in that game too. So it's you're able to do it. But the thing is, Golden State, which we'll probably see in this series, I feel like the Warriors going to go to his own. It will slow the game down a little bit, be less physical on offense for the Celtics, and then you know it might be physical on the other side. Or what Golden State's going to want to do is get out and run. But you know, I don't know. I you know. I said Celtics in seven, or that's what that's what I'll probably roll with. I don't even sound confident saying that because I literally have no clue what's going to happen this series. I have no idea what's going to happen this series. I really don't. Um, you know, I could see the Celtics win. I could see the Warriors winning. I think the Warriors are favored right now just because they've been to the finals. But uh, they would, deserve to be, I think, a little bit. In a way, I mean, they haven't really been tested. I mean, Boston's been the better team. I don't want to say all year, but I mean statistically all year, I guess. But obviously the Celtics' first two and a half months of the season were disgusting. But since then, since January, they've, you know, they've been on par with what Phoenix was. Uh, and, you know, they've obviously got the better defense. They got, they, they, they win the matchups here with Golden State. They really do. Like, they've got the more favorable matchups, especially with the size advantage. I think but, this, this is really going to come down to how well 
can the Warriors guards play defense and how well the Warriors can rebound because the thing the under the thing that people really haven't really been speaking on of the Warriors for being a small team have been out rebounding teams the entire playoffs which is weird other than I don't think they did the Nuggets but with the Grizzlies especially which was shocking because they were the best rebounding team in the league and then with the Mavs They've been able to go small because it's been Wiggins, Curry, Steph, and even Jordan Poole's been rebounding well. They've been able to rebound, which allows them to obviously hold no second chance te- second chance points so you can get out and transition and run. And then now you have three people who can really go get their own shot, four if you want to count Wiggins. So yeah, I think it will kind of come down to that because you'll have Brown and Smart on – Brown and Smart on Clay and Tatum, and then you'll. I'm sorry, Brown and Smart on Clay and Steph, and then from there, Jordan Pools and Wiggins are going to be the two interesting matchups of can they exploit their matchups? Obviously, like Steph and Clay are going to get theirs because they're just that great, especially Steph, and then Tatum on the other end. But it's just how well are they going to rebound, and how well can the Golden State wings attack and affect the game. Yeah, it'll help that they're in Gary Payton Jr. back. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know. I see real moments in the series where where Clay and Poole are going to just disappear, you know, just because of the switchability and the physicality on defense in the Celtics, right? And Steph... Where Steph decides to get his points is where Steph decides to get his points. You know what I mean? If Robert Williams is out of the game or if he's unable to, you know, play due to injury, you know, Steph's going to two. It's gonna be twofold. Steph's going to be able to get to the rim. The offense is going to open up a little bit more without Robert Williams because the Celtics just are a different team without Robert Williams. But I do think if you play Tice as his backup, that's more effective than maybe the Miami series or even against Milwaukee. You know, I think Tice Somewhat really fits. depending. I think Tice really fits this matchup really well as far as he can stretch the floor. He's a good rim protector. He has good switchability as well, you know. Um, and then Draymond. Draymond, who is going to give you one open shot, maybe two open shots every game. Uh, as he says, he always you, makes the big one. <laughs> as he said to Chuck, he's like, I just make the big ones. And we'll see. We'll see. We'll see because there's definitely going to be moments where the ball's going to be swinging. Curry's not going to have a look. Clay's not going to have a look. It's two minutes left in the game. One minute, 30 seconds left in the game, and it's going to be Draymond taking the shot. So we'll see. What, and and he's hit them for the most part. So, I mean, obviously he's still got to do it because he's not a shooter like that. But for the most part, if you go throughout his career, he has hit those shots. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know, their last big playoff runs was with Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? So he hasn't really – had to, you know, play a big part in shooting since that game seven, really, which he showed up for. And that, you know, that was his one great shooting season for him. And what happened since then, we'll never know. It never it doesn't really make sense at all. But, you know, this this series in particular, he's going to have to make them. And not even just two or three times at the end of the game. They're really going to try to make him shoot. Because um, otherwise, there's going to be times when it's him and Kevon Mooney on the floor most of the time for the Celtics, they got five scoring options, whether even that's even Rob Williams on a pick and roll. They're going to have five people who can one way or another put the ball in the bucket. When you've got Draymond and Kevon Mooney on the floor, yeah, it's going to give you size and rebounding, especially on Mooney's part, because Draymond 
this is just buried and no one ever brings this up. He's actually six five when the NBA made uh everyone take their real heights without shoes. Do you remember this a mm-hmm. couple years ago? Yeah. And they made a big deal about it and they still don't even list him at their same height. No, they don't. I don't I don't even understand why they did that. Because they made a big deal about it. Westbrook ended up being six five. He's listed at six three, but Westbrook's actually one of those rare people who are taller than what he's listed. Yeah, and they no, still you see that. Like in like uh, him and Durant, because Durant I feel like a small forward if I'm listed at six nine. Durant, you're seven foot. We, we all see it. It's not hard. You stand next to LeBron and you're easily three inches taller than him. And LeBron's six eight, like a dead six, six eight six nine. So I remember this: LeBron measured at six nine without shoes, yeah. and then measured him at six eight. Durant was six ten without shoes. Six. Okay. There, I, I even feel like that's a. I don't know why I feel like that's a lie. <laughs> He does not look to extend. He stands next. He stood next to like KG, Tim Duncan, like all of them, just was like looking eye to eye. It just felt like he was seven foot. But that's eh, eh, whatever. Yeah, he does. He does look seven foot at times. But there's also pictures of him next to LeBron where he doesn't look much taller than him. But uh, and then KG's KG's like another all timer with this because he's listed at six eleven. He's definitely like seven three. There, that dude is taller than everybody and uh there's pictures that back that up mm-hmm. but but yeah back to the original point draymond being six five not six seven as they list him but obviously has always played much bigger than that um you know but back to the original original point which is him and looney being on the floor that could be a problem um on the offensive end so i'm really interested to see like what their crunch time lineup will look like i would assume it'll be draymond wiggins and the three guards obviously but you know, will they be going to that earlier in the game because of the lack of offense with Looney? I'm, you know, I'm just really interested to see how it all plays out. And then Robert Williams, as I mentioned before, is a factor in all this with his health. Um, the Celtics are probably the deeper team as far as offense goes. Derek White's gotten a lot better as the series went on. He went from having no confidence in, at all from the beginning of the playoffs to the beginning of that Miami series. And then games five, six, and seven out of the blue, Derek White all of a sudden can play on offense. So, you know, that's something to look forward to. Um, I don't know. It's going to be a weird series. Like, everything I'm naming, it feels like the Celtics really do have the advantage. But, you know, there is absolutely something to be said about being in the finals, which the Warriors have been, and no one on the Celtics, as far as I know, has been in the finals at all. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, I could see games where the Warriors experience taking over, like, you know, last night when the Celtics can close out, you're not going to be able to do that against the Warriors. They're going to take advantage of that in the way mm-hmm. he aren't or weren't able to. And the Heat almost were able to last night. Like, there's a world where we're here today where we're talking about the Heat Warriors finals and the Celtics epic collapse. You know, there's a world where we're yeah. talking about. But, you know, this is the matchup. This is a great stylistic matchup. I can't wait for it. I'm doing a lot of talking here. But, yeah, I can't wait. I think it's going to be a seven-game series. Six at the least. I got Boston. I'm not as confident in that as as I should be, just because of the Warriors' experience. But I, I don't think you should I, be confident in that. But that's I really, I really do believe the Celtics are the better team, and I do feel like you know they've got they've got the advantages in most of the matchups. But we will see. You know, we do all this talking. We will see for ourselves Thursday. I will say this. I do think the Celtics win game one. The Celtics win game one. Whatever happens after that, I don't know. But I got the Celtics in game one for sure. I, I'm i a little 
I'm a little hesitant on that. I think the Celtics are going to come out. If the Celtics can get up 17 plus, they'll win game one. If they don't, I don't think they will. And the reason why I say that is I think the Warriors are going to have that first, that first quarter is going to not go great because they've been sitting out for so long. And I think and even though that the Celtics are coming off of a game seven, they've still played basketball much more consistently than the Warriors have at this point. So them coming into the game, they're going to have more of a rhythm. So if they can't get up huge early, I don't think, I think the Warriors will be able to find their rhythm, especially if they're, only down, say, eight at halftime with their third quarter, being, them being such a good third quarter team. I would say this. I mean, that's the main reason I'm picking the Celtics in game one is because they're only going to have two and a half, three days rest compared to the Warriors who had, what, 10 plus days. Uh, that that rarely goes good in any sport when you have that time off, maybe except for that bye week in football. But basketball even then in football, that's been a little bit t- depending on how you treat week the last week of the season like it's for the ravens a few years back that sucked for them because they sat out then they had the bye week then they're three weeks and they lost to the titans so it all depends on what team you are in basketball it usually doesn't go good for the team with a break right mm-hmm. so that's my main reason for really picking the celtics in game one um thing with the celtics and we've seen this most of the time weirdly not as much against the heat but like you know, once they get up, if they can get 10 to 12 points on you, it really is hard to score on them. And, uh, you know, the difference with this series, too, compared to the Miami series and really every other series besides the conference finals, and we mentioned this last time, is the schedule. The conference finals is every other night for mm-hmm. these teams. Why? That's part of the reason. I mean, Celtics and Heat would be dead anyways in a game seven, but they were extra dead. There was literally only one night in between every single game. So yeah. you're playing, you know, between that and the Bucks series, you're probably playing something like, shit, 14 games in, what? 20 and 30 nights. Yeah, 20, 30 nights, something like that. So it's it's a lot. That's more than what you'd be playing in the regular season. So this break, we will really get to see people at their hole. You know what I mean? They'll have two, sometimes maybe three day breaks in between too. Yeah. So, I don't know. Advantage Celtics to me there. Uh, and I do think, like I said, I think they'll be able to lock up Golden State at points in this series. The thing with the Celtics is two things. Is Rob Williams going to be on the floor? And are you going to be able to close out? I say Celtics in seven, but I'm already scared to death of you know them being on the road in a game seven in the finals. Even though they just won on the road last night in game seven. Doing that in the finals, much different ballgame. You know? I guess the Warriors team is a much different team too. Yeah, that's the weird thing. Like this, I think I meant to say that. Like this, Warriors seems just not. It's it's you got to give Steph a lot of credit and Steve Kerr a lot of credit because you know Steph's really the only All Star. I don't know if he made the All NBA team. He made All NBA second team. So he made All NBA second team. So he's the only All NBA player, only All Star, only real impact player on this team. Wiggins was an All Star. I said Wiggins was an all-star. Oh, that's right. Wiggins was an all-star. How could I forget? How could I forget? Right, I, know what you, I know what you're meaning, though. Like, Wiggins obviously. But, yeah, I know what you're saying. But it's not compared to, you know, the consistent clay we see, the all-star clay we see. You know, he's not that all-NBA clay. You know what I mean? Like, it's this is not – it's a deep team for the Warriors, but it's definitely not their best team. This isn't even close to the Warriors we saw in 
16, 17, 18. That's even if you take away Durant. You this, know what I mean? This is the this is their closest to their twenty fifteen run. Their first run. Right. And even in that and even in that twenty fifteen run, you got moments of Curry just going off on teams in ways that he just doesn't now. Like he just hasn't. Not saying he can't do it, but he just has not these playoffs. We haven't seen a curry explosion like we're used to seeing. He hasn't and, needed to yet. And like I think that a, might be he hasn't needed to, but you you know, if you're the greatest shooter of all time, you know, it's one of those things that just happens. You know what I mean? You can go through each postseason where you go, All right, Curry just went the fuck off this quarter, this six minute stretch. And it hasn't really happened. He did have a few moments near that in Dallas. He, he did, and then he had the four, and he had the eighteen in the fourth versus Memphis in game three, three, I think three. Um, but he had the eighteen in the fourth against Memphis. I think it was game three. But like he's had a little bit of moments, but not like create anything crazy. And it's the same thing, like how I say the Celtics once they get up ten or twelve, once they lock you up, it's kind of over. Well, shit. When the Warriors get up six, seven, and it seems like it's a you know, two, three possession game. And then all of a sudden you got a Curry pull up three. That's a heartbreaker. And then all of a sudden you got steel turnover, whatever it is, rebound into a clay three. And then all of a sudden it's a 13, 12 point game. You know, that that's different, you know, in a way that the Celtics locking you up in a 10 point game is different. When the, when the Warriors extend a lead, it's different too. You know what I mean? The second chance the second chance threes and the transition threes from the Warriors are like the biggest heartbreaks, especially when you just played a great possession of defense on the Warriors for 24 seconds and then the ball gets kicked out and it's a clay three corner three and you're like, oh man, we, we just did all that for this. Or obviously, as you were saying, Curry in transition, especially at home. I mean, on the road it's deflating too, but obviously with the home crowd it's just like, a okay, that, that felt like five points, not just three. And I want to say, I have a couple questions to end the pod after this. This is my last point I want to make because we discussed it either the last pod or the pod before. Yep. And we're talking about the Golden State fans. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was saying how they're not even close to what it used to be in Oracle. And I just, so I went back and looked. I was like, let me just research this. And, you know, maybe I'm just being too hard on these fans. So I just went back and looked at like some old, you know, 2014, 15, 16, all that era, really the, those first three years, 14, 15, 16 mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, Curry at Oracle. And yeah, there was times, Keenan. <laughs> Trust I me, I, I know. <laughs> this is what I used to love about those fans, and this is even before the Curry era, like they would be this the way We Believe. They'd be this with the We Believe teams. They'd be this way with uh, opposing players. Like that's how, that's why Knicks fans. And, you know, other fans are so good when the opposite team has a crazy highlight, they'll give it the proper respect. You mm-hmm. know, Knicks fans like that, Celtics fans are like that, Bulls fans are like that, um, Philly fans even. Um, there would be moments where Curry would, like, make a half move. Like, he'd make a step back and it wouldn't even, like, get the other player. But the move would be so nice. It sounded like Rucker Parks times, like, 8,000. You just have, you'd have however many fans in there just, like, screaming all oh, at the top of their lungs. Right, mm-hmm. or you'd have or, okay. oh, when Iggy okay. broke. Um, who was it on the Nuggets? Oh my God, do you remember that? I remember the crop. Of course, I do. He killed. Oh, he killed. I, I think it was like it might have been like Quincy Miller or some shit like that. But he broke. Yeah, he broke him, and 
Oracle reacted properly. <laughs> but in the playoffs, like, like those Denver games where Curry went off, like in the third quarter, like when he, he had a few of those like legendary, just like Curry going off. It was a fucking party. It was a zoo. Like, it, it was a it, zoo. Like, <laughs> it was a like it's twenty two it in the third. <laughs> it was a zoo, <laughs> and it would be like. It, the way they'd react to the small stuff, like he would throw behind the back to somebody, they wouldn't even shoot, and they would react to the behind the back. Like, there's nothing touching that, nothing touching that. And uh, you know, I wish they never moved the Warriors out of out of Oakland. I especially wish they didn't put them in San Francisco, where you have like mostly Silicon Valley crowd. Same thing happened with the 49ers, by the way. They moved out of uh, Candlestick, which is an old old football field, but. You know, Niners fans, they got a rich legacy. You've got good fans at that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, like, from what I hear, obviously I don't live close to San Francisco, but from what I hear, the their stadiums, like, moved away from the city, so it's, like, in this abandoned lot almost. Yep. So you're away from everything, and then it's just, like, you know, you're priced out. So you just got a bunch of, you know, rich people watching these games same with dallas dallas has this problem too where you've got a lot of people who pay good money for the seats and it's more it's less diehard fans and it's more fans who are paying for the experience so you got people watching it like it's a, a spectacle rather than it's your favorite team so the atmosphere changes a little bit the Warriors fans are obviously pretty good like i'm not gonna slide them that much but it's not even close to what oracle used to be and uh you know the other top tier fans in the league that's all but yeah i miss Miss those Oracle crowds. That was an energy unlike anything else. And there's, I can't, other than the Knicks making the finals, I don't see anything coming close to that. That type of atmosphere. Because that top, because at that point, before the, because obviously it was right before the Warriors went on their run, the Thunder crowd was, got crazy too. Like the, yeah, they had, they had a different one too. They're, that's like a smaller arena and they were just hella loud. Mm-hmm. And they, you, they literally stumbled. I literally stumbled upon Durant, Westbrook, and Harden because yeah. that should have been in Seattle, um, where they, by the way, they would have had amazing rabid fans. But that's a, yeah. another story for another day. Rest in peace to David Stern. One of the one of the worst things he's done. But hey, we're getting the Sonics back in two years, probably along with Vegas. But that's another conversation for another day. But where I lost all respect for the Thunder fans, I don't know if I've ever brought this up. I don't know if you remember when. When Metal World Peace, the R test, formerly known as Ron, when he he elbowed James Harden. Yeah. Do you remember? How <laughs> can you not remember him elbowing James Harden? <laughs> that was 2012, right? So he gets suspended the rest of the season. It was like the last 15 games of the season. Yes. And I believe the 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 Lakers play the Thunder in the first round. And our test comes back. Must have been game one or game two. I don't know. He comes back either way. And his first game back is in OKC, right? Mm-hmm. What would you expect the fans to do if... I mean, obviously, you know, boo. But, like, at the point, you'd almost want to, like, throw things at him. But, like, obviously, to that point of not actually obstructing him at all, but just clearly booing him every time he touches the ball. They didn't do any of that. They didn't boo him once. That's one thing. Like, I don't remember much about that series. That's one thing I remember is they didn't even boo our test. And I was like, they can never bring these fans up as the best fans in the, in the NBA again. <laughs> because if that's Philly, if that's Boston, if that's New York, obviously Oracle. And they all might the storm the court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. They, they might storm the court. At least definitely booing them. Oh, at of course. 
least that first touch of the ball. They didn't boom in the introductions, nothing. I mean, or even the maybe, Cavs did. It, like, the Cavs booed LeBron forever. Obviously, I think Devin passed 2016, but, like, they booed him in 2015, or 14, rather. And by the way, Cavs fans, those are underrated fans, too, because they brought it. They'd always bring it in LeBron's uh, postseason runs. His, uh, so, yeah, they did. They did. They can bring it. But Indiana fans are, you just don't see them, but Indiana fans are good fans, too. That's one of the louder arenas, too. And uh, look, game six in Boston, that place was jumping in a way it has not been this whole postseason. Even in that game seven against the Bucks, that place looked like how it used to when we had KG, Pierce, Ray, and Rondo in the crew. Mm. Um, so games three and four, like I can't wait for that atmosphere. I hope I'm there for game four. We'll see what happens. But that place is going to go crazy in game three and game four. And if we get a game six there, which I expect we do, that place is going to be, especially if we're up 3-2. I was going to say, if you're up 3-2 in game six in Boston, my lord. And I think, let me think, if the game four is on a Friday, that's probably a Thursday game that next week. So If you don't go to a, game three or four, Kyle, you might have to try to find a way to go to game six. Like Even if you're just in the nose, like somewhere, like you just have to find a way to be there for the atmosphere alone. We will, we will see. We will see. But a couple questions for you. You picked the Warriors, and you've kind of given me a blueprint, but not really. Yep. Let me – what – do you have Steph as finals MVP here? Yeah. There's no way he – there's no way he's not winning it if they win. What do you expect from Draymond Green in the series? I expect Draymond to – I expect Draymond to have a good series. He'll give you – do you want like a points, rebounds, assists kind of thing or just kind of like me explaining? Give me what? He, what's he gonna do with this series? What? What? Because I, I mean, he's got to play. In my opinion, he's got to play. He's got to give him something more on offense than what he's given them for them to win. Unless, unless Steph, Clay, and Jordan Poole are all like clicking on all cylinders and they're making their threes, then Draymond can sit back and pass the ball wherever. You know what I mean? Give him elite defense and just you know play point guard. Twelve nine but, and seven. Twelve nine and seven. Shoot seven like assists. Seven assists. Yeah. 12 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists. I think we'll probably shoot 35. Actually, let me be. I think it'd probably be like 36% from 3 or 30. I think you're probably like 4 of 11. Like I think you can take 11 threes in the series make 4 of them. So that percentage is like around 36, 37. So technically that, but not that he's shooting of high volume. And what are we getting from Clay and Jordan Poole? Poole will give you probably 15. Because as of late, Poole hasn't... He started off in the Denver series going off like with like big 30-point games. Lately, he's just been a very efficient 15 or 16 or 20 if need be. I could see him getting probably 14 in five assists with shooting pretty decent from the floor. And then Clay, I could see around 20. But I could see Clay's twenty being semi; it would be semi inefficient. But I do think he's going to get up shots, so I could see Clay's getting twenty-two points off a eight of twenty-one with like three of nine from three. Those kind of games. I think if they're going, I think he'll have one or two games where he got where he has. But I think he'll run around twenty. So. My next question, what are you expecting from Wiggins this series then? Around 16, 18, 
because I think that I think I think Wiggins is up like the same way Wiggins was against Dallas. I think he's gonna be. I know I'm not saying that Dallas is the same defensive team as Boston is, but Dallas is a good defensive team. But mm-hmm. I think that the same way against Dallas that they said, hey, Wiggins, we need you. You're going to try to be their second option. Obviously, Steph's going to do Steph things. We're going to neutralize them as much as possible. But at times, you're going to have to be their second best player offensively and to beat us, and he did that. I think the Celtics are going to do the same thing at times. They're not going to be able to do it as frequently because I don't – They, sorry. I think that Wiggins is going to be able to score when he needs to, so he'll have around 16 a game. A pretty efficient 16, especially loose balls. He's been hitting the corner threes well, and he's been getting to the rim well. So I think he'll be able to get 16. Okay. Uh, so it sounds like you kind of have it being a full team effort here. I'm going to guess you're going to have Steph around like 27 a game. Uh, so what do you think, like, because Boston's going to try to make this a slow series, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like they're going to try to be physical on the defensive end, obviously, and, you know, limit limit the amount of threes Golden State has to take. And that part of that would be a slow, deliberate offense, which isn't good for the Celtics, by the way. I don't think that's a good recipe for them, but I think there will be times where they'll try to do that. Um, what do you think Golden State's chances are in that type of game? Because that's not really the style Golden State wants to play. That's where, that's where uh, the Mavs saw some success. They're going to be hunting Curry on defense as well. Uh, I think they'll be hunting Clay some too, especially Jalen. Mm-hmm. I think they'll be going at Clay a lot. What do you think in the event of that game? How that looks for the Warriors? I think I think them slowing down. I think the Warriors half half court offense is actually pretty good. Um, this year I've noticed more because Curry's three has been off more than it's ever been in his career. Obviously first time ever other than the year he played like 20 games, he, where he played actual season, he shot under 40% from three last series. He was like 44%, but other than that, um, so he's been getting to the basket more and he's been shooting a lot more mid range jump shots. So I could see. I see them running their obviously their split actions that they run, their pick and roll actions that they run, ball movement continuously. But I can see, like Jimmy Butler and like Giannis, just obviously in a different way. But like, I Curry getting eighteen and in to get a bucket if they need one. So being in those kind of because he's been obviously over the last few years he's put on weight too, so he is stronger going to the basket. He doesn't get bullied around as much anymore it's not going to be easy because boston's obviously a great defensive team not trying to make it sound like it will be but i think curry can stop some of the bleeding as it like he did in the dallas series when dallas went on their runs okay um i'd like to deal go back into this on wednesday possibly maybe we can get another one in give another preview to the series because you know obviously it's pretty fresh and uh, we haven't seen Gold State, like I said, in over a week. Mm-hmm. We're reacting last night, so I wouldn't mind doing this again on Wednesday. But uh, last question. Yeah. What team do you like better, the Miami Heat or the Golden State Warriors? I like the Heat better. Why? I don't know. I noticed, I noticed when I went to use the NBA app, well, two things. Two things here. I went to, I 
I use the NBA app, obviously, to check the scores and stuff. Mm-hmm. I use your login because I needed to... Uh, I was trying to watch those early season games or the early postseason games that they were having on NBA TV. If I was watching the TV, I needed to log into our League Pass account. Mm-hmm. So that's it's under your email. Used it. Notice you have the uh, the Heat and the Warriors start as your favorite team. So that's two favorite teams. It's interesting. And I do remember a conversation one time with you, myself, and Dustin, D-Roy, shouts to D-Roy, where you told us your two favorite teams were equally the Heat and Warriors. Didn't know if that statement still... I don't know if you said equally then. Maybe I could be remembering it wrong. No, I just... I have... Legitimately, it's support... Uh, Steph's my favorite player in the league by far, but like that's but that's not a new thing. That's been a thing since 2012. So, like you the, don't seem as big of a Heat fan as you were growing up when you were a kid. When you were doing, you know, Dwayne Wade was your favorite player. Goal. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I support my favorite team, but my favorite player I also support as well. So I guess that might be it because I am a huge Curry fan and I was a huge Wade fan. So like that was kind of just my favorite team and favorite player were locked in on the same team, not different. But mm. I only, I have that as selected as both because I get updates for both. True. So that, that, so that, that's essentially why that is. It's not because it's, I have to have both. It's like I get updates because at one point, at one point it was the Lakers too. And it was the, Hornets because I liked to get team updates when it came to Lamelo and Lonzo, but I mean obviously Lonzo's a bull now, but that was when they were he was on the Lakers, and because I talked to, and like NFL wise, I I you clearly know my favorite team's the Patriots. You would never even ask if my favorite team wasn't the Patriots. I would have the Packers and Cowboys because I would talk to Austin and Ira about it. So they're updates and things that I would just check like I would get it firsthand rather than having to go look for it so that's sometimes why I have those as listed so you're saying 2012 Curry becomes your favorite player while Dwayne Wade's still in the league on the heat so he overtook Dwayne Wade as your favorite player while Dwayne Wade was still in the league I mean kind of in the sense of not 20 Sorry, be more so 2013, 2014, but kind of because Wade, be, I mean, obviously Wade was the one I, su- I supported Wade, obviously, but when your favorite player becomes not as good, like I, I guess it's, I, I don't know, it's a weird thing to talk about. Wade's my favorite all-time player. Steph is my second favorite. So then technically, no, Steph would have became my second favorite player in the league but at that time, my favorite player to watch because Wade was starting to deteriorate, if that makes sense. I feel that. I feel that. I'll say this. I've mentioned this on the pod prior at least once, sure, maybe twice. But if you're a listener of this podcast and you're a younger listener, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you're, I don't know, we'll say 25 and under maybe. Oh, no, you're 25. So we'll say 23 and under, I guess. If you were born in the 2000s. Yeah. If if you if your recollection of Dwayne Wade is him on like his the, second stint on the Miami Heat, the Chicago Bulls, the Cavs, uh, or even him at the like when LeBron won those first two rings, go look back at Dwayne Wade in his prime because it's scary. It's scary how good that dude was. Like at peak, Dwayne Wade at his peak, you can like put up with ninety nine percent of the league. That's not Ever. a lie. Like, That's not a 
Mike Mike is in a different ca- class, but like LeBron at his peaks in a different class. You could argue, say probably Magic, Kareem, Wilt, Bill. Like, but Kobe and Wade at their peaks, they're not much different. I don't. Well, I know people don't like to say that because it's Kobe, but like they weren't. Kobe just did it obviously longer and got more. It has more achievements too. But like their peaks, they're pretty much the same guy. I don't know what it is. Like, I'll go back and watch the Wayne Wade highlights, like, like you know, like the mixtapes they throw together. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Shit gets me hyped. Like, he just played so electric, so hard. Like, he was just, like, constantly downhill, you know, crossover. Like, you forget how good his handle was. Like, he, no one better at splitting the double team. Come up and block your shot. And he just, he played with such a fuck you to his game. Like, that's what I miss about him. Like, I, I forget how much of, like, and he had, like, the Iverson quality to him, too. Like, just go to the rim. Doesn't matter how many times you get banged up. Doesn't matter how many times you go to the floor. He even had that famous Converse commercial, fall seven times and get up eight. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, like, if you couldn't protect him from the rim, then it's a pull-up. And, uh, you know, in that sense, he was a lot like Jordan. Whereas, like, okay, if you're going to stop me from getting to the rim, then I'm just going to roast you with a mid-range. And oh, then what he had more than Mike and Kobe was, <laughs> if you take that away, okay, I'm, a, I'm just going to shake you. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he had all the angles, all the finishes, loved Dwayne Wade. He, scary player right there. It, it, anyone, if you need to, just 2006 NBA Finals, if you want to just type in Dwayne Wade, you can watch game by game and just watch his highlights of those games, and you'll understand exactly what he did. He had a top four all-time finals performance in 06. Down 2-0. That was when this, also when the finals were 2-3-2, which I hated that format. I mean, yeah, I understand weird. you get games 6 and 7 at home, but that's so, like, you can just steal home, like, steal the series back so much as a home team, getting three games in a row. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I didn't like that format whatsoever. But... Wade in those finals, you get to listen to the great Hubie Brown. <laughs> but Wade in those finals were was absolutely amazing. And that was his three third year in the league. He definitely got some help from the refs, but classic performance nonetheless. All time like you said, all time great performance nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Uh Keenan, anything else? Um, one question. Sure. How well do you feel Jason Tatum plays in the series? Like how well? Do, oh, sorry. How well do you think he plays, and how well do you think he has to play to win? I think Tatum, unlike other stars, he doesn't always have to bring it. He doesn't. He doesn't have to give you thirty a night, mm-hmm. right? Like if Tatum gets you twenty five, you're okay. Especially because you know I don't know. Jalen's been pretty trick or treat this postseason. Yes. Like literally, a game. I was a game four. Game three or four of the Heat series where he had 40 points, but he had like eight turnovers. Like there's moments, Tatum too, where he just he can't dribble. Like if you get up in him, it's, I don't know, you can really affect the Celtics offense if you're, you know, pressuring him up the court or even in the half court. Like if you're putting bodies on him, it's tough. It can be tough for both Jalen and Jason. And they can't rip- do that against the Warriors. They cannot turn the ball over. They turn the ball over against the Warriors. That's, I mean, the Heat made them pay for it. The Warriors will make, instead of those twos, there's going to be a lot of threes. 
And uh, I would flip that around the Warriors too. Same. No one to be very careless with the ball. You absolutely can't do that. Same, same thing. Like turnovers is going to be another really key thing because if the Warriors are turning the ball over 18 times, that's going to turn into a two or a three or whatever the Celtics want to do because Tatum and Brown get to the basket, but they also can hit whoever for a trail three. So like they turnovers are going to be huge in this series too. Yeah, and uh, Tatum this this season especially, he's grown so much as a passer. Mm-hmm. Just as far as decision maker, like even last night, he was making great passes to open guys. Like he gets harassed a lot. I feel like I feel like he doesn't get as many calls as he should. You know what I mean? It feels like he get two or three more calls a game. Um, he's he's gonna see a lot of Wiggins. I'm sure he'll see a lot of GP if he's see you know some getting Draymond. His, see some Draymond, maybe maybe some Moody as well. If they like to go to Moody. Um, He's going to be fine. He's Jason Tatum. I mean, he's, I mean, shit, when he was 19, he could get to wherever he wanted on the court. Now he knows the game a little better. And he's got, like I said, they've got, they've got the matchup stylistically on offense and defense. So, I've always been you know, a Tatum fan. He went to the yeah. Duke. Yeah, he's nice. And, uh, <laughs> because I, know, for some reason, I just like, like the players that have gone to Duke in the past, I've just like Grayson Allen, Luke Kennard, Brandon Ingram, him. Like, I've just always been a fan of them. So I naturally watched him. I've been a Tatum fan for a while. He's just yeah, so fundamentally yeah, I mean, sound. Like, I mean, if we're talking about Duke, Duke, uh, Duke turned into Kentucky the last fucking eight to 10 years. Of- <laughs> they really Asia. did. But that's, that's, that's for another day, too. But, you know, Tatum. Like I said, he's their defense is so good. He's allowed to have off games, which mm-hmm. you've seen throughout the postseason. There's times where he won't have a good game. Uh, so, you know, like the term superstar gets thrown around a lot, like especially with Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler absolutely played like a superstar, but weirdly, I wouldn't call Jimmy Butler a superstar. Like I feel like I reserve that for, you know, the LeBrons, the Stephs, the Durants, Giannis, Luca. Luca's a superstar. Yeah. Uh, is Ja a superstar? Think- Jaws absolutely a superstar. And is Jason Tatum a superstar? That's actually my next so. question for you. I think he's borderline superstar. And if he wins, if they win the title, then I guess you kind of got to call him a superstar. Whereas, like I saw the other day, uh, someone saying uh, Jalen Brown's a superstar. Like that's <laughs> Jalen Brown's not. Jalen Brown uh-huh. is a star. Jalen Brown is a star. Yeah, all star to star. Like he's superstar. Like if he's if Jalen Brown's a superstar, then the league's got thirty of them, or like twenty of them. I should say twenty, twenty five of them. And that's this a no. Yeah, like weirdly, I would say, I would say Dame Lillard's more of a superstar than Tatum. He, you know what I mean? It doesn't is. make sense. Which doesn't really make sense because Tatum's had like way more postseason success. But Tatum's Tatum's got a superstar game. He's right there. He's right there. And it all depends how people latch on to him. Like, you'll see. If the Celtics win the title, there's going to be way more Celtics fans than there ever was. And then all of a sudden, we're going to start getting credit. Brad Stevens going to start getting credit. Danny Ames is going to start getting credit. Like, it's a joke to me. Um, you know, I'm going to save this for Wednesday. I'll save, <laughs> I'll save my thoughts on the credit all of a sudden the Celtics are getting now as far as their organization goes. Um... But there's some Celtics fans out there who like hate to give Brad Stevens credit for anything. Like I've seen people today being like, "Oh, Brad Stevens had nothing to do with this." Like, all right, he's only the you know president of basketball operations, and he only coached his team for seven years prior. But he made right. the Derek White trade. Like he got like brought Horford back, brought Tice back. Like his handprints are all over this team, literally and figuratively. Of course, of course, but, it is. they needed a new voice to hear on a daily basis. But they Brad Stevens still. 
Brad Stevens, there was no reason why he should have been out of a job in Boston. Like, even if he did, if he was out of a job, it was only because they weren't able to find a position for him. Yeah. Like, yeah. it has no nothing to do with him doing a bad job. He did a very good job in Boston. You go to two Eastern, three Eastern Conference finals, I believe, in like six years. I think you're, I mean, you didn't get to the game, but at the same time, you did a good job. Like, you did a good job. Did a great job. Uh, I mean, of, yes, great. But I'm just saying, you did a really good job. Two of those teams had no business being in the conference finals. Two of those three teams had absolutely no business being in the conference finals. One of them, your second best player, was Avery Bradley. Right. So, and then before that, you know how he rose to stardom and how you know he became a name in basketball circles. He got Butler, fucking Butler, to two championship games, back to back seasons. Mm-hmm. Butler, I don't even, I mean, I don't follow college basketball hardly at all, but you don't hear about Butler nearly the way you did, you know, 10, 12 years ago in the 2000s, late 2000s. You, you don't hear about Butler. You don't hear about Butler. <laughs> you just don't you hear, hear, about you hear about Butler. Before, you hear about Butler before Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens gets them to those Final Fours, those championship games. And, and they then almost come beat the, Duke. Gordon Hayward, Gordon Hayward banked one in from half court, which would have been the greatest shot of all time. <laughs> Almost beat Duke, and like I said, he got he did nothing but overachieve in Boston. And uh, you know, there's people who love to say how overrated he is. Well, you know, pick me a team, please, out of those Boston teams that were supposed to win a ring. Please pick me one that was supposed to win a ring. The only time he underachieved was Kyrie's last season, right? And a lot of that had to do with Kyrie, but you know, Brad's gotta gotta manage that. But that was a tough team to coach anyway. You had such a mix of different stars and young stars uh and you know Kyrie and as we've seen with Kyrie look what Kyrie's fucking doing in Brooklyn yeah Brooklyn's about not even resigning him you know they're they don't want to commit to him long term so I mean you know Kyrie's track record is the same everywhere he's gone whether it's Cleveland Boston so you can almost write that one off for Stevens honestly uh but the season his last season last season 2021 they underachieved completely that's really his only underachievement as a coach um but yeah i mean like i said i was saving that more for wednesday but and i think to answer your original original question yeah tatum yeah tatum wins this ring he's a superstar okay he's a star uh he's he's gotta be and he'll be his his popularity will rise he's already got he's got the jordan shoe deal so he'll he'll get his own shoe for sure especially he'll get it anyway but especially if they win a ring he'll definitely Mm. have his first JT shoe, so it's weird because yeah, J- like you could argue, like I don't like you can't but can argue that Trey Young's more of a superstar than Jason Tatum. Like player wise, no, Jason Tatum's just a better player than Trey Young. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about Trey Young that makes him like superstar quality. If you know what I mean, Trey got superstar quality, but he's 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 I, not a superstar. Like that's just not a you know what I mean. But but no, he's Trey Young's got superstar game. Uh, you know, Tatum. Tatum's about as borderline of a superstar as you can get, right? He he'll go from, like I said, he'll have nights where he just doesn't doesn't play well. He'll turn it over. You got to bring it every single night if you're a superstar. But he's right there. You know what I mean? He if, plays uh, like like the thing with Tatum is like he doesn't do any other superstar. Like he's like he's starting to get into commercials and things. But like the thing with Steph, the thing with. LeBron or the thing with Dame is like they do things that like wow you wow you Tatum just plays really really well 
He exactly. doesn't always, and but like, and that's why I was talking about like Trey Young or Dame, like you were talking about. Like Trey Young just does things that can kind of, like, oh wow, okay. And then like, obviously him against the Knicks, like him taking them to the conference finals last year when he bows to the crowd, things like that. Those are the things that make you like, um, like start to make you a superstar. Obviously, your play has to back it up, which is why he's not in that conversation right now at all. But. Like that's where Jason Tatum doesn't know. Wait, Tra- I was talking about Trey Young. Like right. Trey Young's not in that conversation because his play doesn't take him there. Like he's not there yet. Needs more postseason success. Needs more. Just just needs a little bit more. But like the same thing with Jaw. Like Jaw really doesn't have postseason success, but he's just so electrifying and literally he's jaw dropping. So it's like, oh god, yeah. like he just feels like a superstar. Tatum doesn't feel like it, but he's kind of he may be like Kawhi, where he just plays his way into superstardom. Yeah, well, I mean, thing with Ja, it's his third season, and you know they were a contending team in mm-hmm. his third season. You don't see that, and he, you know, they were in the playoffs last year, and they were probably like a game or two out of the playoffs his rookie season. You know, so yeah, that kind of puts him ahead of you know same as Zion. Had Zion been on the court at all? these last couple of years attributing to their postseason success, you know, he's in that conversation too, because they're just that special. Yeah. John, John, both like same with Luca. Like it's still, it's still a fucking joke to me that Luca did not go number one in that draft. Like, can you imagine where Phoenix would be right now? If they had Luca, I mean, Luca and Devin Booker, but oh my goodness. Luka like it's, and Devin Booker. Like the fact that two teams passed on Luca. And then, you know, he's trade like Atlanta could have Luca. Imagine Luca. That's my favorite one. Imagine Luca with Trey Young's team right now, with John Collins, with Bogdan around him, like or yeah, Bogdan. Bojan's the one on the jazz. But all these guys, like Trey's got pieces around him, and Trey's good too. Obviously, they were at the nine seed this year, whatever, whatever. But that team with Luca, that is a scary Eastern Conference team. But yeah, Tatum's right there as a superstar. Kawhi was a good comparison about playing his way in. I mean, I think Tatum still is actually one of the more popular players in the league as far as jersey sales, too. So he's right there. Yeah, for sure. I, think, I guess my comparison for him would be Durant because I feel like and people people have kind of cringed at me saying that. But, like, nah, I mean, they're both smooth wing scorers who at 18, 19 could get you a bucket in the NBA. Tatum obviously came in at 19. But, like, you know, Durant's shot-making ability still was probably better at that age, definitely. And, you know, the thing with Durant that got everybody's attention that, you know, made him a superstar originally besides his scoring ability was his wingspan and his length and how skinny he was. You know what I mean? So you could automatically, like, attribute that to Durant. That's Mm -hmm. why Ingram was compared to him. Whereas Tatum, really, out of anybody that's come along since Durant, their games are, you know, very similar. They got that – they got that hesitation – to their game, you know what I mean? Like, both of their games are set up by that hesitation dribble to their left, you know what I mean? And Tatum's got that rocky to sleep handle and that that silky jump shot, a lot like Durant. What he doesn't have is Durant's, you know, like you said, he's nearly seven foot with a seven foot something wingspan. That's what Tatum doesn't have. But everything else is very similar to Durant or even Melo before him. I was going to say, Melo, uh, Tatum's offensive game reminds me a lot of Carmelo Anthony. I think he gives the ball up more than Melo, though. I think he, I think he plays a lot more like Durant as far as if they got it in transition, it's either going to be a pull up, a three, or they can get to the rim. Whereas Melo, Melo's more of a spot up in transition, a bully you, 
And, you know, he loves to hold the ball for 16 seconds at the mid-range before he pulls up kind of thing. So I think stylistically he's more Durant, but, you know, Mello was the one before Durant who, again, at age 19, you need a bucket. Mello, Durant, and Tatum, fresh out of wherever. I don't care if it's high school, college, they can get you a bucket in the NBA at 18 yep. if need be. Um, and you just don't see that very often. The one who's lost in there, Jabari Parker. He was another one who could do that. Oh, and, then, and he just got caught by the injury bug. Also from Duke, as we were, we were talking about Duke earlier, he, yeah, he's just a, someone who could go get a bucket. Like he really was compared comparably to Melo in the way they scored. Yeah, he was a lot like Melo. Yeah, he had he had some nice moments with Milwaukee early on, and then tore his ACL twice. Like I remember. Because that his rookie year looked kind of not rough, but not what you'd expect out of the number two pick. Yeah, and second and third season when Giannis was really starting to develop too. With like I remember games because that was when LeBron came back to the Cavs. I remember Jabari and Giannis going at him like like you know like it wasn't LeBron and Kyrie. You know what I mean? Like they felt every bit as confident, and Jabari even developed more athleticism coming to the league than he did outside of Duke or when he was at Duke, I should say. Yeah, but uh. I mean, we're almost to an hour and a half here, almost at 90 minutes. Keen, I'll talk to you Wednesday because I, I could talk all day about these random NBA talk, topics we're talking about. But uh, I feel like if we stretch it to two hours, might get a little lengthy. So we'll come back Wednesday. Warner Brothers Podcast. Keenan, great talking to you. Good talking to you, uh, too. Shouts to the Celtics. Shouts to Tatum. Shouts to Jalen Brown. Shouts to Marcus Smart. Rob Will. Ian Udoka. Shouts to Nia Long. Adoka's wife. Just being beautiful, you know, black excellence right there, Neil Long. But hey, I cannot wait for the series. I'll talk to you again Wednesday. We'll preview the series. Maybe we'll we'll come up with some questions for each other. I'm at least gonna come up with some questions for you about the series. Yeah, but, I can uh, definitely go. Yeah. I'll go because I will go more in depth on the series because obviously we we're talking Heat Celtics because that was just less than 24 hours ago. Absolutely. So we're out of here. Warner Brothers Podcast. We will see you Wednesday.